Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Round 2 podcast. This is your host, Nikki Corbett, and it is Thanksgiving week. I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is always my favorite holiday, I think because it centers around food and not around gifts. So I always have such a more enjoyable time at Thanksgiving because it's strictly just about food and family and friends. So I hope that everybody is gearing up for a nice Thanksgiving and having a few days off of work and spending time with people that you love. So this week, I am super excited to be recording this podcast with my friend Nancy. She is a sorority sister, a friend, and I love the timing of everything because we've been going back and forth talking about getting this podcast recorded and, um, you know, our messages had been a little sporadic in nature because we both have a lot going on. And she messaged me back literally the day after my Instagram stories reminded me that six years ago I was in Austin visiting her and I had this beautiful picture that I had taken from the view of her balcony at her cool apartment building she was living at at the time. So I just think timing is neat. So Nancy, welcome. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to be here. And Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday for the exact same reason. Ah, I love love that it's not about gifts. It's just about being with the people that you love and expressing gratitude. Yeah, that's great. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and share your story and we can keep talking. So I'm Nancy. I'm currently living in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. I'm part participating this last year, my boyfriend and I made the decision to figure out where we want to live in the world. And we've been living in different States every couple of months. We started in Utah, Idaho, Colorado, we're headed back to Texas next month. So it's been an incredible journey. It it has looked so fun to be watching and following along. Amazing. Yes. My, basically everything is just for our dog. We have a black lab named Emma and she is the one who's benefiting the most from this trip and absolutely loves, loves, loves. Someone said the other day, she would be a billionaire in the dog world, just how well we take care of her and what we let her experience in the world. She's great. But so, but the reason why I'm here today is because I'm really excited to talk to you and everyone listening about the event that my second round, I guess you can say, and changed my life forever. So should I just jump right into that? Yeah, go for it. So my background is, well, after college, where we went to school in San Diego, I fell into nonprofit event fundraising and I was there for 20 plus years and I got to the top of the top of what I could do with that. But I was so work obsessed and career obsessed and it I was a badge of honor to work 80 hours a week and travel hundred thousand miles a year. And I think it was my 39th birthday that I was like, no, no more. I can't do this yeah. anymore. And I tried to change and balance. And then a year or so later, I got laid off in May of 2018. And that day, I remember I kind of knew it was going to happen because my boss flew into Austin to have my one-on-one that week. So I was like, okay. So I prepared, I got everything ready to go. And when she walked in the room, I said, it's totally okay. I am really looking forward to this conversation. I told her it was the first day of the rest of my life. And Uh she started crying and she's like, how is this so easy? And I'm like, because I basically said, you gave me, you're giving me a get out of jail free card. I had a large team all over the country. I would have never left them. I would have never left the work I was doing on my own because I thought my life was supposed to be about everyone. I was working with or the nonprofits I was raising money for that they were the most important priority. So that day 
shifted everything because I became the most important priority and it was amazing. I love the way you just said that. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, the first 30 days I took off, I did yoga every day. Uh, It was just such a a release. I had to release 20 years of burnout and I thought, okay, after that I'm ready to go, but it really wasn't. So it (laughs) took me almost four years of this journey I've been on to get me to a place where I'm beyond the that 20 years of burnout. It's really kind of sad, but I am so grateful for the last four years and the things that happened in that time frame. That is amazing because I totally, I mean, didn't you at one point, going back to what you said about, you know, flying a bunch of miles, didn't you at one point do like an end of your mileage run to Japan? I did. Spent one night in Tokyo and came right back and celebrated New Year's Eve in Austin. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is wild too, because when you, when you have a career that you have dedicated your life to, I mean, I think that, you know, what people often don't recognize or don't realize when choosing a career or going into doing something, it's like, you're going to be spending a very significant portion of your days and weeks and months and years doing this. So it's like, it's, it's very, you know, beneficial and smart to try to find something where you like what you're doing and you like the people that you're doing it with, because aside from sleeping, like that's what you're doing the most of is work. And, and then having that longevity, in a certain career, and I can totally relate to feeling that sense of responsibility to the people, to the work, to the the clients, to all of the things. And so you telling your boss like, hey, you're giving me this gift because I wouldn't have probably done this on my own, at least not right now. No, definitely is. It was a gift I'm so grateful for. And then that was 2018, two years later, um, COVID happened. And that in itself was a gift as well, because what I didn't, the amount I didn't slow down at that course, the rest of the slowdown. So that was really mm-hmm. good for me. I believe that the shift in my life was able to really be accelerated during that time frame. So I shifted from being an employee to an entrepreneur. I shifted from all of my impact in the world, being focused on the nonprofits I was supporting to focusing on what I can do to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, my party went from others to me. And then the other thing that I thought was really important was that I focused on, I lived in a scarcity mindset for so long and my oh. mind shift shifted to abundance. Yeah. And that took the last four years to do that. But I feel like I've done a lot of personal development work, a lot of mindfulness to get where I am to make all those shifts. It's been mm-hmm. a good journey and I'm excited to share some of it with you guys today. Oh, I love that too, because I think that that is so important. It's something that my boss and I actually have, it probably pops into our conversation at least once a month, that whole scarcity versus abundance. And it it plays a, a big role in how he and I both manage people. And just when you're having conversations with people and seeing the way they're telling you about things, it's like, well, wait a minute, like, let's shift that. Like, let's, let's be, let's be optimistic. Let's not worry about those things. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just go for it from this level instead of from like a low level. Let's go to it from a high level. Let's go to it knowing we can accomplish these goals um, versus being scared that we won't. Right. And that once you make that shift, everything in your life changes. And um, I started reading a lot of professional development books um, when 
I got laid off and I started, my first book was called the champagne diet. Mm. And it's funny as I was on Amazon searching for champagne glasses and this <laughs> book came up and I was like a book about female empowerment and entrepreneurs. And I ordered it. And when I got it, the author is Kara Allwell. halfway through the book. I was hooked. I ordered her next book. She wrote nine. I read them all. And then it just set me on a journey of through her. I met a money mindset coach and I learned and I focused on mindset around money and what a difference it made working in nonprofit. You learn to live, make every dollar count. And you're, so you're in constant scarcity mode of not spending and trying to raise money as the little, as much as possible. But then that sprinkled into everything in my life. Mm -hmm. So going through courses, on money mindset learned, helped me understand how to live a more abundant life with money as well. Yeah. And so that then set triggered and lots more learning I over the course of the next couple of years, but the learning was all focused on me and what I, to make myself a better person so I can be better for others. Right. And I love that. I, I mean, I'm probably gonna say, I love that a million times right now because it is so true and it's something that I've talked about with other folks that have been on on this podcast with me is it's like if you don't take care of yourself mm-hmm. you can't be your best for other people and yeah. it's so important that's why I have I will I will say this over and over like I'm beating a dead horse but it's like if if you being selfish is not a bad thing like mm-hmm. taking care of yourself having your house in order like some people like to refer to it as is like you do all of those things so you can better yourself in the mm-hmm. long run and then be better for everything else. Like I know if I don't do certain things for my daily, you know, personal like health and taking care of myself routine, I am not the best leader. I'm not the best daughter. I'm not the best friend. But when I'm keeping myself in order, then I am better for everyone else. Totally agree. And and it takes work. It takes maintenance every single day. It's not like, okay, I can meditate today and that's going to last me the rest of my life. Right. I read the book I read last week was Atomic Habits by James Clare. Get another amazing book. Um, I loved and And he's like, you just need to improve your life 1% every day. Mm -hmm. And if you just focus on that one, not like you said, when we were talking earlier about, um, so many people struggle with diets and, and workouts because they want this large amount of results right away. Right. If you just focus on little increments every single day, you're going to have a much better outcome. I think the power of consistency isn't talked about enough Mm -hmm. and being consistent with anything, whether you're learning something new, whether you're deciding that you want to have more physical activity, whether you're changing the way you eat. I mean, I often tell people who want to change their, their eating habits and they think they have to go from like zero to 60. And I'm like, okay, you're, that's a recipe for failure. I'm like, start here. Like first, like, what do you drink every day? And if they're like, oh, I drink a lot of soda. Okay. Just swap that for water. Just literally just take them like take two weeks and just only drink water and like coffee in the morning and like see what happens like the little things and if you want to add on like physical stuff if you're doing nothing physical go for a walk at night after dinner just 30 minutes go for a 30 minute walk do those two things to start and then see where you are but don't think that you can go from no physical activity eating very you know not healthy and probably too much to restricting yourself to like 1200 calories and eating vegetables and like going on these, like, like thinking you're going to become like a a elite athlete, you know, all at once. Like it's not going to happen. You're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And, and it's not good, but it's, 
it's been an incredible journey to be able to have the opportunity to focus on myself and figure out what I need and want. And we were talking about work before. And in this time frame, I started a tour company and then COVID happened, it shut down. And then during that time, I started it for someone else. He then, I, I became the owner during COVID and I restarted after COVID and I realized I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life. This was his, I, his passion. I shut it down after one day. I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I started an, another company. I started building an event planning app, which we've talked about before. And I love that. I went through an accelerator program. I learned how to build the business plan, but then I realized I want to focus on the why, not the how. So I uh, set that aside. Uh-huh. And But at first I was so ashamed of all the Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that, but it's all part of the process. Yeah. It's to finding what we really are most passionate about in life. And sometimes you got to start things and finish them or set them aside to really get to where you want to go. But that you have to go through the process and be consistent of trying to find what it is that you need to find. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I was reading something the other day and I think I'm not 100%, but I think it was talking about, it was Edison that created the light bulb, right? I think so. Oh yeah. And it's it one was of my favorite talk- quotes. Yeah. Well, and it was talking about like all the things, all the other patents that he had, but it was also like how the, his view on failure, which was like, I didn't fail. I just learned 10,000 reasons why something won't work. And I was yes, like, yes. Oh my God, I love that because you know, we learn so much more from our failures. I mean, success is great. And the feeling of working hard for something and accomplishing it is, is wonderful. I mean, don't get yes. me wrong. I love those feelings, but also when you fail, it's like, Oh, okay. Now I, now I know which direction we need to go, or now I get why that doesn't work. And that is like the ultimate teacher. Oh, it's, I love that quote. And then the second one I always share after that one is Michael Jordan got cut from the high school basketball team. Right. I mean, and then he came out to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time because that failure gave him the drive to become better and to work harder every single day. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I think one of the other things I love too is like somebody put together a list of people where it's like, you know, so-and-so didn't do this until 40. So-and-so didn't do this until like 58. So-and-so didn't do this until 60. And I'm like, yes, like it's just, it's never too late. And also I think I said this when I was recording just by myself last week, like nobody fucking cares. Like, Mm -hmm what anybody else is doing. So it's like, just do it. You know, you kind of mentioned like, oh, I felt this way or that way when I was like, oh, this didn't, or I'm not doing this anymore. I I tried this and I'm not doing that. But like, no one fucking cares. Like, okay. So just keep going until you find something that you love and that works. Yes. And I, and I had to get over all that. Like, yeah, we naturally have the what's it called? Imposter syndrome or fear of failure or afraid to get started. Like we were talking earlier, I bought all this podcast equipment. I created my name. I have all the artwork done, but I've been afraid to pull the, to pull the bandaid off. Mm -hmm. And I've now set myself up so that I'm here with you today. And you're going to be here with me in a couple of weeks. And there's no more, there's no more pause. There's no more waiting. There's no more limiting all the impact that I can make in the world is I just have to get going and then Mm -hmm. be consistent. Well, and I think too, like for me, like I've said that, you know, it, it was getting out of my own way and it was just just doing it. And I think that it's so easy to get in our own way with anything, right? Whether it's something with work or whether it's something you want to do on your own or if it's, you know, something physical or if it's in relationship, whatever it is, it's so easy to get in our own way about different things. And I know, I mean, I physically felt it, even though I know I can't 
literally stand in my own way. But like I physically now feel that I have gotten out of my own way. So it's like and I feel that in every aspect of my life, which is very fascinating um, to to actually feel it. I never thought that I would feel that. There's a sense of freedom. I think when people ask me what my long-term goals in life are, it's freedom. I want to be free from, I mean, financially free, free flexibility in my life. I want all these things, but it all goes back to the freedom. And it's amazing when you think about that in Mm -hmm. every aspect of your life, once you get rid of all those barriers, you have an overwhelming sense of freedom. Yeah. Well, think about even just what you guys have been doing this year, right? I mean, you have that freedom to move. I mean, you lived in three different states, four different states, and you've done all these things while you're figuring out what you want for your life and your lifestyle and still been able to work and create business and do all those things, which is like very freeing. (laughs) Well, you know, I was trying to figure out what's the biggest benefit of what we've done this year. So we rent, instead of living in a van or how a lot of people do it, we rented short-term rentals. So Airbnb um, and for each location. So we had to live within what was provided in the house. We only packed the back of our truck with our favorite coffee maker. I brought my favorite champagne glasses, Um, but that very minimal what we brought with us. And so then we realized we have a giant storage unit at home of stuff that we haven't seen in nine months that we probably will never use again. So our first thing to do when we get home is clear that out, get rid of the things that we found that we didn't need. Mm -hmm. And we made the decision. We really want to fill our life with experiences, not stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely contributed to being, having a more minimal life. Um, there are some things I miss. I miss all my decorations. I love celebrating the holidays and decorating for the holidays. And so not having a place to do that, I had to get creative for Halloween. I bought some white pumpkins that uh-huh. were disposable at the end of the season. So yeah. it was, it, it was a way to close that gap, but I think living a minimalist life has been another form of freedom. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is interesting. I mean, it is. At the end of the day, it's stuff. And, you know, it's like I think my, my friend Trisha and I talked, um, I think she was my third or fourth episode and or maybe fifth. Anyways, um, that's irrelevant. But she had lost everything in a fire in Santa Rosa. <laughs> And she was talking about the same thing. Like, you know, it's there are some things that they are very sad that they lost. She's like, but ultimately it was stuff. It's all stuff. And it's like, yeah, we want to make our homes like comfortable and you want to feel good and you want to feel like you can relax and have all of your, your, you know, feel like you can let go and de-stress inside of it. But it doesn't have to be loaded with stuff in order to make that happen. And there are ways to digitize memories. We estimate 20 or 30 boxes in our storage unit are our childhoods. We both have taken on all our childhood stuff and photographs and everything else. So my project over the next couple of months is to get all of that in a digital format. And I'm, there's a company called Saver. They're like notebooks I can buy. And I'm going to have just one book that kind of gathers all of those mementos because memories are an important thing, but I want to digitalize as much as possible so that if a fire did happen, we can still access all those things and they don't take up space and we can get the access them from anywhere. Yeah, that's great. That's Mm -hmm. great. 
So what what would you say, you know, so you get laid off and then you're kind of doing mm-hmm. these like different, you're taking some time for yourself and then getting involved in other things. So then what are what are these like kind of moments you've had along the way where you're you're, you know, really becoming more self-aware, having these aha moments where you're like, "Oh, I want to do this or I want to do that." and f- like deciding what things you needed to focus on within yourself. So I would say first I immediately launch myself into a couple other projects without taking the time to heal. And so when that was from 2018 to 2020, so then when COVID happened and I was forced to have all this downtime, I took that time and then focused all on the healing on the inside. So I, that's where the professional development went. I did some coaching programs. Um, I went to a retreat last year in um, Malibu, which was all focused on that movement from scarcity to abundance. Mm. And I think that by taking that time, a lot of writing, a lot of journaling, a Mm. lot of mindfulness. And I think being uh, given the opportunity to take that time and fix, say fix, heal Mm -hmm. some things from my childhood. Um, During that time, my mom did pass away and that Mm. triggered a whole lot of healing there too. And so I think that second round of me I had to focus on all that healing first and before I could launch my second round. And I recently met with someone who spoke to me in May or probably June of 2018. And then we spoke again a month ago and she was like, oh my God, you did the work. I can see it. And I was like, yes, like I did, I I did the work. And it's not something I can share with a lot of people because they don't, a lot of people don't understand. Uh What have you been doing the last couple of years? I've been working on myself. Well, if they don't see a physical difference, which I have had some physical difference, um, during that time, but they don't see how much work you've done on the inside. It's hard to explain it. And so that now that I did the work, everything else just seems to be coming easy to me. So one thing I'm very proud of that's, um, during, I, had never had a dog because I worked all the time mm-hmm. and I didn't understand. I would never going to have time. No, there's no space in life in my life for a dog. And so I fostered a dog, a friend's family needed some help with their dog. And so I brought her in and fell in love with her. And when she was time for her to go back to her family, I got my own dog and I, and this is crazy. You obviously love your dog. I didn't understand what kind of love you can have for a pet until I had one. (laughs) But what's even more exciting about that is when I opened myself up to that, Mm -hmm. it then enabled me to open myself up to other kind of love. So I didn't have, I'm now in a relationship with a friend who I met at that incredible apartment building. He came to visit. He was my neighbor. Oh, nice. We We met when he moved in and then we were friends for a couple of years and now we're more than friends. But it was getting the dog. I think that made that shift by allowing myself to open my life to her, Uh then just allowed so much other amazingness into coming into my life. And so I say that all the time and people were like, what really a dog, but sometimes it's something as simple as that, that can teach you unconditional love Mm -hmm. and what it's like to give and receive. I mean, Mm -hmm. you receive so much from your relationship with the dog. And that's probably why she's overspoiled (laughs) (laughs) because she brought so much amazingness into my life. And so now the three of us have our own little family. So that was a benefit of taking the time to work on myself and having all that space. And that's what mindfulness is in general. You, when you give your brain space, then all this other stuff, amazingness comes out of it. Do you, do you, do you meditate? 
You know, I I try. I would say I go in waves and I'm I know I can be better. It is on my short short term goal list too. I mean, it what's great too that I love is that, you know, there's so many of these apps like I use the Peloton app for a lot of things and yes. they have just 5-minute ones. So I try to do those and just kind of like, okay, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Um, but I would like to get better. My dad actually has turned into a big fan of meditation and I think it's really really great I mean given that you know he's 76 years old and and he's he's shared a few things with me about how he feels it's changed his outlook and I think it's pretty cool to have that sense of awareness at that age and then also like the level of like vulnerability and being able to share like hey like I started doing this on a regular basis and this is how it changed my my like levels of you know being sensitive or him like the way he feels like he's able to connect with my mom differently because he you know been meditating and it's opened him up differently and i'm like that's so cool but like everything else it's just one percent better every day i still don't do it every day i do it i want to do it every day it's always on my goal to do it every day i know that if i'm overwhelmed I just know I need to go for a walk and turn on a meditation and shut my brain down or when I need to get something done and I'm distracted, I just pause and the investment of 10 minutes of letting my brain take a break will, I'll be 10 times more productive afterwards. So it doesn't have to be something that you do every day. You can just find times in your life that you can integrate it and just turn it on. I have like multiple, like the Peloton app is on my phone. I use calm for daily. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of them are guided. They talk to you the whole time. It's not sitting in silence. And then there's yeah. a guy named Sam Harris. I love his um, waking up app because his is more science for, and like, you feel like an engineering and he teaches you the basics. And um, if your brain works that way, my brain goes half and half. Some of it's creative and some of it's more logical. And mm-hmm. so I like having both options too, when it comes to meditating. So I highly recommend that. that Yeah, because I I have heard, um, I can't remember where I heard this, probably from some quick TikTok video, but it was somebody talking about how those first few seconds when you first wake up, your brain is in a certain state where it's like, you should really, you shouldn't grab your phone right away. And you should, you know, really start to think about like positive affirmations or just like what you want to accomplish, like setting your intentions for the day in those moments. So then your brain goes into that mode versus going into like immediate chaos mode. If you open up your email and you see something that's going to, you know, make your day not go the way you had hoped. (laughs) And I would say not bringing my phone into the bedroom is probably one of the best habits that I've integrated in my life because I don't immediately look at it in the morning. I wake up, I get moving. I think about my day. I spend that time and then I get some caffeine. And then I look at my phone and, 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 and that really does make a difference. And mm-hmm. that would be one of the best practices I have definitely integrated into my life. I, too. I need to figure out a way to do that. I think I, well, number one, I set my alarm on the away setting at night because it makes my motion sensor downtown or downstairs activate and it makes me feel safer. So mm-hmm. I need my phone to turn off the alarm so I can go downstairs and get my coffee So, although there have been times where I forgot that the alarm is on and I've gone downstairs and set it off and then quickly turned it off, (laughs) but I don't want to start the day that way every day. Um, Well, crazy idea is to get a second device. So I, uh, that has the, that just on there that you can just turn it on and it doesn't have, or just have your 
messages and your email and everything turned off. If you have to pick up, put your phone right outside your bedroom door, pick it up, turn off the alarm and then set the phone back down. I started doing using the um, do not disturb feature, oh, yeah. which I think has been really good for me just to, I put that on and then I, I don't know, there's something about it that I think it's probably like, while well, I'm still awake or if I'm reading before I go to sleep where because I don't like hear the buzz or see it light up with like any sort of notification. And I have very few notifications that even hit my phone because I just don't care enough like about a lot of things to have it be a, an immediate notification. But I have noticed that that keeps me less picking it up. Like I put it on mm -hmm. do not disturb, put it down and then I'm like, all right, I'll see that phone in the morning. Yeah, I do like that. And then not looking at it before you go to bed. They'll every all the experts out there will say the same thing. Give mm -hmm. your mind at least a half an hour away from blue light and screens mm -hmm. to kind of slow yourself down. So it helps your sleep habits too. Yeah. I want to go back to what you were saying about, oh. about pet love because, oh, yes. I mean, obviously anybody who's listening to this, who knows me knows that I'm absolutely obsessed with my dog Norm. But um, the funny thing that not a lot of people who have known me since getting Norm is that prior to that, like I would literally say on a regular basis that I hate animals. Like I would <laughs> literally say that. And I what I've since realized is that it wasn't the animals that I hated. It was more that like maybe they were improperly trained and or they were dirty and, you know, like a big dirty dog coming along and just like wiping their body across your outfit. Like that was not something I enjoyed. I didn't want to give it attention. Um, however, you know, even getting Norm was kind of just one of those like serendipitous domino of like things that happened where he was totally meant to be mine or ours since I do still share him with Chris, my ex-husband. Um, but he and I had been together for, I think, about maybe almost two years at the time. And we had talked about getting a dog and I had always had a thing for little dogs. Like I loved Yorkies. Um, you know, there were some kind of like Chihuahua mixes that I always thought were cute. I just wanted it to be cute. And he had always had a bigger, you know, interest in larger dogs. I mean, makes sense. You know, he was around labs and other tired retrievers his, his whole life. Um, and so anyway, I happened to have plans to go to Oakland where my friend Katie was living in Oakland and to go to this um, event with her one night in November of 2010. So I get there and she's like, oh my God, she's like, look at this dog that um, one of her friends had received a like, you know, notification from adopt a pet that this dog was available for adoption. She's like, look how cute he is. He's so cute. Like somebody we know has to get him. Well, the one small dog that Chris and I had agreed on at the time was a French bulldog. And this ad for Norm said that he was a Chihuahua French bulldog mix. And so I was like, oh my God, that dog is so cute. Maybe I should get him. And so then fast forward, we go out, we're drinking a ton of wine and collectively the group we were out with was like, Nikki's going to get this dog tomorrow. So Katie and I got up, we went and had brunch. He was at a shelter in San Jose. I called the shelter, they weren't open, but somehow I was able to like route myself to animal control where somebody at the shelter picked up the phone. And I said, hey, I said, you guys have this dog that you said was gonna be up for adoption today. Um, like here's his like tag number or whatever. Can you tell me, you know, is he still available? And they, the guy said, yeah, he is, but like the shelter doesn't open till noon. We can't hold any pets. So you just really would have to get here. And if it's, if he's still available when you get here, then you can see him and blah, blah, blah. So 
I, we got, we raced down to San Jose Animal Shelter. We get there and there were so many people. I think they were having like a special on cats that weekend where, you know, sometimes they do cats adoption if they're really full for like really, really inexpensive Mm -hmm. or free. And we literally had to take a ticket from one of those ticket pull things like at 31 Flavors. So we take a ticket and we're like, okay, we'll we'll wait till our number's called. And we're walking through the shelter and like all the little windows and seeing all these animals. And it was just cats everywhere. There were hardly any dogs. So we didn't see him. So my number gets called. We go and sit down and the guy's like, um, you know, ask, and I say, this is the only animal I'm interested in. Like this, this one from this ad. And so he pulls up and he's like, yeah, that dog's still available. And I'm like, great. So they take all of my info. We go into this room and it's two women and they bring him in and he's just kind of like, you know, trotting around and looking all cute and he didn't bark at all. He just kind of sniffed and was really chill. And so they're asking me all these questions and Katie is just sitting there terrified that I'm going to somehow say, oh, don't worry. I hate animals. I would never do whatever you're advising me not to do because they literally said something about like, oh, well, he's going to have to have more like shots. Like he's, you know, we give him the first round, but then you're going to have to take him to the vet and he's going to have to get a couple more rounds of shots before he should be around other dogs. So you shouldn't take him to a dog park. And I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, a dog park sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) But, and I was like, oh, okay, no worries. You know, so thankfully we got in and out of there. And then the lady was like, well, if you would like to adopt him, like we think you guys would be a good fit. So I mean, I remember leaving there and it was so awkward. I didn't know how to hold him. I didn't know how to pick him up. I didn't know what to do. We went to PetSmart to get like water bowls and a leash and like a a collar. And, but then, you know, he's just, I always tell people now, I mean, I literally tell him every single day how much I love him, how cute Mm -hmm. I think he is. And it's like, we just passed the 12 year mark that this dog has been a part of our lives. And I literally, it's like, I walk in the door and he's here and he's happy. And it's like, even if I'm in the worst mood, it's like, how can you be in a bad mood when this little furry thing just like wants to love you? Well, I think I said we wouldn't have world peace if everyone in the world had a dog like that. Like (laughs) they give you so much love and that wagging of their tail and, you know, and my dog, when she, if I've had a bad day or something bad happened, she knows she doesn't leave my side. Yeah. She's just like, they're intuitive. They're an extension of you in so many ways. And they do, they teach you love and they Uh make everything in your life better. So everything better. And they're just so funny. And I was that way too. I think that's really, no no one thought I would ever get a dog. They're like, you're the last person should ever get a dog. Yeah. No, I, when Facebook reminds me, you know, that I had posted a picture being like, guess what? With the dog, like half my friends were like, no way. Like, this is a joke. I remember my phone go like just one call after the other, as I was driving back from Oakland to do Sacramento and people like, oh, you didn't really get a dog, right? You didn't really get a dog. Right. And I'm like, no, I really did. Even Chris didn't believe me. Like he, I called him and he's like, why aren't you back yet? What have you guys been doing? And I was like, we went shopping and he's like shopping. He was like, what did you get me a dog? Ha ha. And I was like, actually, <laughs> and what was funny too, that was back in 2010 when, you know, you couldn't send a photo if you were on the phone with somebody at the same time. Uh-huh. So I literally had to tell him, I'm like, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to text you a picture right now. And he was just like, he called me back. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe you got a dog. And I'm like, yep. Be home in a few hours. <laughs> and he embraced the small dog. He embrace. Oh yeah, he's obsessed with him. I mean, Norm literally lives his best life. 
I mean, we joke in our family that he has like three houses because he goes to my parents as well. So he's got his three houses that he absolutely runs the roost on. I mean, I would I would even like venture to say he has more than that because there are a couple of my friends places that he is welcome at 100 percent of the time. And yeah, I mean, he goes, he comes to work with me. He goes to work with Chris. There's a coffee shop in the town over from where Chris lives who like Norm's literally like a local celebrity. I mean, more people know the dog's name than my name. I mean, yeah, this dog is king everywhere he goes. So our message to everyone listening is we don't have a dog. Get one. (laughs) one. You will not regret it. (laughs) You will not not regret it. It is the best. They are the best and life-changing. So yeah, so that was one of the biggest things that probably a positive of my second round was I had time to let a dog in my life. And then it opened up so many other things. So do you think from a relationship perspective, like were, was your, your current relationship, your boyfriend, like was he somebody that you had ever like entertained the idea of dating or did you just, were you so focused on work and your life that you just weren't really looking at, at men in that way that you were just kind of like, so tunnel vision on your career? I would say I was tunnel vision on my career, but a lot of it more had to do that. I hadn't done the healing. Yeah. And I think I needed to do that just as much as, and, 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 and I was obsessed with my career because I hadn't, I was avoiding all the inner work that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had 40 years of baggage to work through the last couple of years and you don't realize how much your childhood and the things that have happened throughout your life impact the rest of your life. If you've not taken the time to process it and, and really heal it. So I think I- it's a combo. That is so that is so interesting that you say that because one of my girlfriends brought up childhood stuff the other day because we were talking about um, we were talking about friendship and she had said how she realized that some of her reactions to certain things with with friends, she finally realized was a result of she figured out what it was a result of from her past. And so she was saying to me, she was like, I would encourage you to try to like think about some of this and like why she goes, cause this isn't the first time I've heard you say this type of, of comment in regards to friendship. She's like, so I, I wonder, is there something like from your childhood and the friendships that you had then that's making you feel this way now? And she's like, and don't get me wrong. She goes, just because you like recognize it doesn't mean that it's going to change anything, but at least you now know she's like, cause I now know that like, Oh, I react this way because of this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just another level of self-awareness, which I think is just my favorite thing about this podcast is that that's like the underlying current that just connects all of these conversations to one another. Um, but so that was funny that she said that because the other day I had this memory and it was of, it had nothing to do with friendship, but it had to do with like relationship stuff. And I was thinking to myself, my God, I don't know that I ever, I don't know when the last time I thought about this occurrence was, and it's something that happened when I was 15. And I don't know that I ever thought about it after the fact. It was just kind of like, I just kept moving on. And so it is interesting how sometimes I'm like, oh, am I really upset about this? Or am I processing something from like 15 years ago or not even 15 years ago? Shit, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh. And, and once you start to figure that out and you put piece it all together, it's really amazing. It doesn't have to bring you down and to uh, figure out 
why what happened there relive it think about it and how it's impacted it just makes it easier to not let it impact you in the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know oh this like your friend said this is why i react this way yeah and you can stop that reaction once you've figured it out yeah Gabby bernstein just wrote a really good book i was going to say something about being happy and she encouraged a lot of writing in the book and it unleashed so many things I hadn't thought about. And, um, and it doesn't mean your child had to have been traumatic. It could, mm-hmm. like you said, it was something that happened to you when you were 15 and you didn't think of it twice about it. And there's a lot of us have those one instance or multiple instances that have impacted years of relationships and they don't even think about it. Yeah. I don't realize why. Yeah. I is- haven't done the inner child work yet, but there's a lot of it out there and it's on my wish list in terms of what to do next and per- personal development. I feel like I'm seeing it more and more lately. I don't know if it's one of those things where, you know how, you know how like there's always like you, you never thought about buying a blue Volvo and then you buy a blue Volvo and now all of a sudden you see blue Volvos everywhere. It's kind of yeah. like, I wonder, is it one of those things where like some, the idea got planted in my head and now I'm just seeing it and it's like popping up on all of my social channels where people are doing that type of work. I don't know. Have you ever done breath work? Um, I have done like, you know, periodic, you know, classes here and there, but it's never yeah. been something I've done consistent, consistently. Yeah. That's another one that I feel like I've seen and I don't want to, I've got to do it virtually. And then I've done it in person recently and it was amazing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. How do I keep this in my life now too? Mm-hmm. There, but the reality is, is there are thousands of options out there. It's just figuring out what makes the greatest impact on you. So whether it's meditating or it's breath work or it's working out or it's spending time with friends and family, whatever gives you that peace of mind and brings joy to your life, do that. Not what you're being distracted by all the bells and whistles of, Ooh, I haven't done inner child work. So I'm going to do that. Or I need to become the world's greatest meditator. All goes back to that conversation about how we want all these radical results all at once, but it's that small shift every day that we should make. I think. Well, and then taking the time and giving yourself the grace to figure out what works for you, because that's the other thing where, you know, you see all of these people out there who are doing all these different things. Like you just said, whether it's like meditation, whether it's breathwork, whether it's yoga, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's, you know, eating a certain way or doing all these different things. And they've taken the time to figure out what works for them. So then they're talking about it, but just because that worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for me. So that's why I say it's like, giving yourself the time and also the grace to try something and go, wow, this isn't, this isn't going to work for me. Um, or, or, and then not getting frustrated and just throwing in the, in the towel completely because Mm -hmm. it didn't work. It's like, okay, well that didn't work. So I can check it off the list. And now like, let's try this or let's try that. Well, and that's going back to the whole theme of this podcast is second round, but we can have third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Like there's no one stopping you from starting something, figuring out you don't like it and trying something new. And the more you fail, the better. 100%. I I mean, I, I remember back in, I think it was like 2006, I decided to give being vegan a go. Uh-huh. And um, it was so not good for me. Um, I think because just my body naturally craves like animal protein. And I... 
I remember, he, I, and the reason I did it, I didn't do it because I was like, oh, animals, or I hadn't like seen anything that had, you know, made me want to to do, you know, a lot of reasons why some people decide to go vegan. I was doing it for weight loss. I was like, oh, I heard if you go vegan, you get really skinny. Well, it had the opposite effect on me where I think because I was so hungry because I wasn't getting the animal like nutrients that my body naturally craves, I was eating too much of all the other things. And Mm -hmm. I, oh my gosh, it did not serve me well. And I remember, you know, having a couple of friends like would periodically joke after the fact, like, remember when you went vegan to try to get skinny and you ended up gaining weight? I'm like, I know. Yeah, but you tried it. and I tried it. it. Yeah. And it's like, and now I know like, hey, like this is what works for me and this is what doesn't work for me. Yeah. So I guess in like, just in summary, what my event that triggered my layoff and then COVID triggered was an opportunity to just focus on me and figure out and have that fun of experimenting and trying different things and then creating this journey that I'm on now. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, and I love it because you, you know, you were at a place in your life where it sounded like you actually really needed it. But like you said, you weren't going to take that step for yourself, at least not then. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I, I think self-discovery is so important. Self-awareness is so important. I mean, I joke around, I mean, I've joked around on this podcast and I laugh at myself on a regular basis where I'm always like, oh, well, what can I learn from this? You know, what have I, what's the silver lining of this? You know, and sometimes it's like, okay, well, maybe there isn't something, but I, I do feel that there always is, no matter how bad or how shitty you feel. Mm-hmm. And once you get through those initial, like, oh, my feelings are hurt, or this made me feel like shit, or I'm sad, or what angry, or whatever it is, you can really take those learnings and apply them to whatever you're doing next. And it really can change you for the better if you're willing to look for those and. I think that forgiveness plays a role in some of those Mm -hmm. things, whether it's forgiving yourself for being a certain way, whether it's forgiving another person for hurting your feelings. Um, I think that's super, super important to acknowledge. And you can see those that did the work and didn't. So those the people, and it breaks my heart when people that live in victim mentality all the time, like, oh, I had a horrible child left. So my rest of my life is screwed. Mm -hmm. No, you had a horrible child left okay, what did you learn from that? What can you do to do better? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell the difference in people that those that recognize that it was a learning experience or what the positives, no matter how hard they are to find, we have two totally different lives in the long run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, you know, self-learning, self-healing, focusing on you over the last four years, what is 2023 going to look like for you? I'm excited. I, um, so I've moved into, instead of working for others, working for myself and I'm doing a lot of work around celebrating. And so I'm consulting, I'm coaching. I did a lot of, I got a lot of life coaching the last couple of years. And then I took courses on how to do it back. I want to teach people the art of celebrating themselves and others and focusing on the why, not the how. And so I've been working on it for a while. And I have realized that 
one, you know, procrastination or imposterism, all those things. So I've reached out and I've, I've identified accountability partners to get done what I need to get done. So there's a lot I've been working on for a long time that I've, so for example, I set up, I have a beautiful website, but I need to get it live. I've done all the work for it. So I have a VIP day coming up in two two weeks where I'm going to work with a developer to make it live that day. So I've recognized my weaknesses and Mm -hmm. my weaknesses is getting stuff done for myself. So I've set myself up for the next couple of weeks so that I have all the resources that I've been working on ready to share with others. And it's been fun. I've taken on a few consulting projects the last couple of weeks. Um, and then I'm really looking forward to doing more coaching and consulting in the new year nice. while we continue to travel. So I, yeah, we're going to go back to Texas in two weeks. We'll be back in Colorado in the spring. And then, um, my personal goal, I think I was saying earlier, I, I want, I'm going to go to New York. We're going to do some international travel, um, just sprinkling, continuing to see the rest of the world. I would say that one of the biggest shifts in travel that's happened in these last four years is being wanting to be outdoors. I had been to Utah a hundred times, not hundred, a lot, mm-hmm. never went to a national park mm. during COVID, my family and I met in Utah. They drove from California. I drove from Texas. We went and stayed at National Park Zion. And it that was a game changer. And now I just want to travel and experience the world's natural beauty too. Oh, that's, so awesome. that's why I think we'll end up in Colorado when we're all said and done. Cause right now we live amongst the most beautiful mountains and trees. And it's so good for your soul to get up and be able to walk outside uh-huh. in this environment. So it's all been kind of part of the process is where the physical environment of where I'm at too. Uh-huh. I liked what you said about your having accountability partners. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm reading this book right now that I'm absolutely obsessed with. It's called The Power of One More. It's by Ed Milet. Mm-hmm. I am every chapter of this book, I'm just like continually just like, oh my God, this is so good. And when he's talking, I just finished a chapter last night where he's talking about goal setting and how you have to tell somebody your goals. You have to like talk about them and even just talking about the way you, you create the goals. And I, and one of the things that I love so much, cause it's a practice that I do a lot is he's talking about like getting the energy in your body moving as you're like thinking about these goals. Cause you want to create them when you're in your peak state. And I love that because I know for me, if I have something really hard that I need to figure out, like I need to be in motion in order to get where I eventually know I can. Um, so I'm all the time, I'll be out for a walk and I'm like, you know, voice notes to different people and Hey, like, here's what I'm thinking about this. And um, so it's funny because I, I've been, I've taken to reading a lot on my Kindle, but I just ordered the book and it's like hard format because I want to, n- number one, I feel like it's a book I'm going to continue referring to for the rest of my life because I think it's that powerful. Um, but also because I want to be able to like highlight things and take notes and, you know, <clears throat> and I, I'm, I think I ordered like four copies because I'm like, I know so many people who need to read this book. Yeah. Yeah. I I listen to a lot of books on audiobook and then buy physical so that I can go back and do any of the workbooks that they have in them. Mm-hmm. I've also I love um I it's called Remarkable. It's a digital tablet I use. Oh yeah. And so what I've done there is a lot of these books. I'm sure at this I haven't read that one yet, but now I'm just gonna be bumped up on the list because I heard oh, lots of great things about it. it. Yeah. But a lot of them if you buy them, they'll come with a workbook. So that you, they help you work through a lot of the things that they're teaching in your book. And I just upload them into this tablet 
and I write and I do all the work that way. And it's, oh, that's cool. It's been a good tool for me, but there are some things that I just need a little bit more help with and that's okay. And there are people out there that are available to help. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the chapters in this book also talks about, you know, I mean, and I've heard this for years. Like, have you ever heard that saying where it says, like, you're the sum of the five people that you that you spend the most time with? Um, And he talks about that in here, too, where, like, you know, if you who you're spending, who you're surrounding yourself with. And that was a really interesting thing for me to read about, because I've been kind of at a place where I I stopped putting an effort with people that were not putting an effort to me. And it's interesting because, you know, on one hand, it's kind of like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Like when you say that sentence out loud, like that makes sense. But it also kind of sucks because then you're like, wow, I don't have that many friends left when, you know, like three of the seven it was so out of balance that, you know, when I did this experiment of, well, if I stop reaching out to this person, are they going to reach out to me? And then when the answer has been no, it's like, oh, shit. OK, so it's like this wasn't what I thought it was. Um, and I was chatting. I went to Las Vegas on Monday. Um, one of my friends is doing these one day wellness retreats. She's she's a, a consultant and a designer for the spa space, and she's been in the you know hospitality for years. And so she had this idea to do one day wellness retreats and kind of focus it just on like people that can't uproot their or stop their whole lives for a week or even a long weekend and so she and i were chatting about some of the same stuff at the end of the day and she made a comment that i have like not stopped thinking about all you know ever since tuesday night when i got home and she said i realized that some of um my friends i get so excited when we're going to spend time together and then she's like and i realized that i have other people where i don't feel that way and I th- and she said, I thought to myself, I want to feel that way with with anybody I'm giving my time to. I want to be so excited that we're going to meet up for drinks or so excited that we're going to go on vacation together. And so that has been just running through my head all week as I'm, you know, interacting with different people and going, wow, am I that excited to hang out with this person? And if the answer is no, it's kind of like, huh. All right. What does that mean? Mel Robbins, you know, who she is the five, four, three, two, one. I love her and her five, five. Half. She listened to one of her podcasts once and she explained friendships like leaves on a tree and they have seasons and they change. And just because you're not excited about them right now, doesn't mean that your friendship is any less valuable than it in the past that you had together, or there might be a time in the future where you will be excited about them. And I think so many of us are so afraid to hurt our friends' feelings when, because we have an obligation to the friendship and that's doesn't have to be the case. Like they change season changes and friendships change. And as your life changes. And I think one of the hardest things for me and probably for you too, is the more work we do on ourselves and the more we expand all these things in our life, the people in our lives that aren't doing the same, they don't get it. Right. And it, it creates barriers and, and that's okay. It's like you said, it's just seasons that that will change and they'll come and go in your life. And most people are afraid to let that happen. So they don't only surround themselves with those five people Mm -hmm. that are the best for them at that moment. 
Yeah. And it's and like I love what you said about that, because it's so true, because like we're all changing and growing at different rates and at different times and different things. And I think there's some saying that like people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And yeah, yeah I mean, some people some of those seasons can be really, really long, you know, 13, 15, 20 years. And then maybe it's like, OK, well, this isn't we're not on the same path anymore. But mm-hmm. it doesn't I mean, I, and I certainly don't feel like anything or any of the friendships where I was like, okay, this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm the only one putting an effort here. Um, I mean, I'm not looking backwards and saying like, oh, well, what was the point of all that? It's like, no, like uh, that was all great, but like now I'm here and either meet me here or put in some sort of effort. But, you know, it is very, I, I feel like I've had a lot of humbling moments this year where it's like, huh, all right then, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So they're failures you learn from or not failures, but they're all learning experiences. They're all learning experiences. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it is interesting. And I mean, I'm at least glad that I have like the the comfort or the yeah, the comfort level within my own self to like look at a situation and be like, huh, well, that was kind of humbling. All right. (laughs) Yeah. And life just gets better. I said to my boyfriend in the that the best is yet to come for us. Like we're living Benjamin button lifestyle. Like as we get older and our life just seems to be getting better every day. Yeah. And we should all feel that way. I wish everyone could feel that way and not yeah. looking back. Not look. Yeah. Don't, I mean, there's no point. It's funny because I remember saying this when I was getting divorced. Um, you know, I was, what was I? 38, 39. And I remember saying to somebody, you know, as, as, as bizarre as this may sound, I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I, I recognize that it would be very easy for me at, at this age going through this to say, you know, to be angry and have regrets and all this different thing. But I was like, there's no point. And I actually, I don't, I mean, the biggest thing with, getting a divorce and being the one who wanted it is the, you know, that I hurt someone else. And I would, that's, that's, that's the thing that, you know, I still have moments where I'm like, God, I wish that, I wish that it wouldn't have got to that point because I hate that I hurt him. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, he is a wonderful man. We just were not the right match for one another. Um, but all the other, the other parts of it were not, you know, things that I, that made me feel bad or, or, or make me jaded or, or whatever that is. I think I said to a friend a few months ago, like, I love love so much, like more than anything that I would go through all of, all of it, all of it, like Mm -hmm. not just the divorce, but like, you know, other relationships that I've had or other things that have hurt my feelings or other love that has broken my heart because like, I love love. Yeah. And too many people, and I used to be like that, we're afraid, afraid of the breakup. So they're not willing to even put themselves out there to experience the love. Mm -hmm. And I told someone the harder it hurts, the more you loved that person. Totally. Mm -hmm. And my other quote I use all the time is you have to, um, you have to feel to heal. You're not going to heal unless you really feel that angst of, um, that it was good that you felt that you felt bad that you hurt him. And, but that was part of the healing process for probably both of you. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
so many wise gems out there. <laughs> They're really the best are. part of oh, that's the best part about all of personal development is I've learned so much, uh, and there's so many uh, little gems that, that can impact the rest of your life. Well, I think that that's what's so great. You know, there's so many negatives that have come from social media and the you know online spaces that are out there right now. But I think the positives are is that. Now we all have access to so much that you you really can find spaces and places that are right up your alley and find people that are talking about things that that you're in alignment with and that benefit you and that give you those aha moments and give you those gems like you were saying to like like think and learn more about yourself and go, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense to me. I get angry sometimes about the algorithms of social media because it can create an echo chamber. And I think it definitely contributes to a lot of the negativity in our world, but those same algorithms keep see that I, if I'm interested in say mindfulness, they're introducing me to things I would have never got to exposed to without them. So there's pros and cons to it all. I would love if social media didn't exist, but there's a lot of benefit to it in my life as well. So, yeah, I know those algorithms are wild. I was actually talking with someone at work the other day about how, how like you can spend just a, a second pause mm-hmm. on something and the algorithm's like, all right, let's give more of that. And I was, we got to talking about TikTok because he said, well, how many, how, how much time a day do you think you spend on TikTok? And I was like, fuck, I don't know, maybe like, 30 minutes to an hour. And he was like, what? And I was like, but I'm like, let me tell you what my algorithm feeds me though. It's a lot of food and cooking content. So like I will sometimes be on there because I'm looking for a certain recipe or I'm following a recipe or I'm creating a menu for a dinner party. Like, so, I mean, yes. Could that be an excuse? Sure. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, this is hilarious shit and I want to laugh. (laughs) We need that joy in our life. We need that mind numbing content sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I do think that it is, yeah, the echo chamber piece is, is fascinating because you see some stuff, but then every once in a while, I mean, there was a point where I ended up on like, I think it was like Turkish TikTok for a little bit. And I was thrilled because there was just, it was a lot of dancing and a lot of fun and a lot of food content. I couldn't understand what they were talking about, but I was like, thank you for sending me here because now I'm, I have some un, 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 a joy that I did not know I needed. Yes, I agree. (laughs) So it's a double-edged sword that those damn algorithms. I used Twitter as a search engine for the longest time. I followed only content related to fundraising. Uh And so I would go on there and if I needed to um, do a research on a specific topic within the fundraising industry, I was more likely to find it within my Twitter feed than I was Mm. on Google because I was looking within the audience of that's that specialized in that area. Yeah. So I know. I mean, there and there's even like massive social platforms that I I don't even understand how they work. Like Reddit is such a foreign concept mm. to me. Occasionally, like I'll Google something or there'll be something major going on and someone will be like, here's a Reddit thread. And so I'll click on it. And I'm like, how does this even work? I don't know how it works. I The other thing that's fascinating is the media has taken all the activity on social media and made it news. So yeah. I read, am I the asshole? I don't know if I can say that in here um, oh, uh-huh. all the time oh, from yeah. Reddit but I read it in blogs. I don't read it on Reddit. Anytime somebody does something on Instagram or Facebook or Reddit, someone writes about it. And that's how I consume that content. (laughs) 
You know what I just was thinking as I was as these words were coming out of my mouth. Like, are is is somebody in like Gen Z? If somebody in Gen Z like listened to this like segment, would they feel the same way we did when our parents were like, "What's call waiting mean?" <laughs> Amy Schumer has a video out right now where she and her mother go to therapy about how to use technology, and oh her mom gosh. is like, "I don't understand. How do you save this from my email?" And 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 the therapist is like, "Amy, you need to be nice to your mom." And her mom, the mom, and the therapist was like, "It was just it's hilarious because there is that gap." generation gap of the amount our parents or family members need our help with. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's definitely like, I, I tell the IT guys at work all the time. I'm like, I, I'm probably the most technologically challenged person uh-huh. at uh-huh. our company and they don't disagree with my <laughs> statement of that. And I'm just like, like every quarter, there's some sort of app that will pop up that'll be like, you need to change your, your password in 14 days. And I wait till like day zero. And then I'm like, I can't get into my computer. And he's like, did you change your password? Like it told you to. And I'm like, nope. And he's mm-hmm. like, do you want me to just set it back to what it was? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> so you're the mom in that scenario. Definitely. Definitely. But I'm like, I can do other things. Yeah. We all have different things we contribute to the world. That's why there's never, it's an, it's an endless opportunity. Like so many people feel like, oh, this has already been done. The space is too saturated or there's, you know, someone else, how many podcasts in the world out there? Did that stop you from starting a podcast? No, because no. this podcast is going to relate to someone. It's going to yeah. be meaningful to someone and they're going to re- relate to it because you're exactly what they need right now in that time frame in their life. Yeah. And, and exactly. And that's, that's what I felt. I was like, you know what, let's just do this because you know, what's that whole thing? Like there's no other me, right? There's no other you and all the people that we like, we like them because of who they are. I don't like, you know, like my favorite podcast because it makes me laugh. It comes out every Monday morning. It's called two bears, one cave. It's with Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. They're comedians. They're absolutely hilarious together. I love their comedy. And, um, but it's like, I love it because it's them. I don't love mm-hmm. it because there, there's like 20 other people like them. So I think that that's the point of all of this is that mm-hmm. finding other folks who relate to what other, you know, what you're going through, what I'm going through yeah. and getting good, good things from that. And the algorithm will help them find their ways, <laughs> their way to us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. You're, you're, you're going through a divorce and okay, here's the right podcast for you. Second, you know, it, it, there are tools out there to help bring us all together when we need each other. There definitely are. So tell me, you know, what, what is, what are you getting ready to launch? Oh, what am I launching? So, um, my podcast too, sell her braid. Let's celebrate. Um, I really, when I moved from wanting to be a nonprofit, I want to focus on helping women. And I want women to, who have for so long, put themselves last, put themselves first. And my methodology to do that is all around celebrating. And so I want to get that message out to the world. And I want to teach the world that the more we celebrate, the more we have to celebrate. And it really is about having a positive mindset. So you, you know, you have 10 things that you need to get done on your list. And if you're just focused on the negative, if you could think about what you're going to do to celebrate when you get done with all those 10 things, you're going to get done with them twice as fast. Yeah. So 
I've been doing a lot of work around that and I want to get that out into the world. And so people can start to see how much of a difference it makes in their life when just the same way you express gratitude and how much of an impact that can make when you celebrate your accomplishments and you start to make it a habit and do it more regularly, Mm -hmm. you'll see how much of a difference it impacts everything in your life. So that's what I'm launching. I'm getting that message out in the world. I love that. And it's so true. I mean, I think that often so many of us overlook the little things or overlook the little accomplishments that are leading us to the big accomplishment and mm-hmm. taking a moment to be like, hey, good job, me. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yes, you did. And it does. It makes such a big difference when you're like, oh, wait. And then I'm like, that was, that felt good. I'm going to do it again or yeah. I'm going to do it better. And it, so much is just in our mindset. So that's what I want to do next. I love it. I can't wait. I'm excited. So thinking about it as an I haven't decided I'm going to do a workshop on this at the end of the year. I need to put some things together, but I want people to do vision boards or when they're closing down 2022, we all think about the top 10 things we did this year. So Mm -hmm. start to think about all the amazing things you did this year, celebrate them, and then plan a celebration for all the amazing things you're going to do in 2023. Like start to put the celebration before the goal. Um, And there's a way to do that. And so I'm excited to share that with people. So in the end of year is the best time to do it, to really look back at the last year, what you accomplished, what you want to get better at, and when setting your goals for the new year. I really like that because I think that I'm I'm good at setting goals for the new year, but I haven't ever really sat down and like listed out, oh, hey, these are the things I accomplished in this past year. I mean, there's always kind of been like a running, you know, oh, okay, done, 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 but I don't think I've ever sat there and listed them out. And I think I'm going to do that because I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, you should. And you'll you'll be like, wow, you'll focus on, you'll realize you've done so much more than you thought of because you just did it and moved on. Exactly. That's so true. And it will inform what goals you set for next year. Yeah. And you won't get in the habit of setting the same 10 goals that everyone says, lose five pounds, talk to more people, you know, like the, the same goals we do over and over again. But if you divine your goals based on what you've accomplished. It could, it changes the landscape. I think, and I think defining them, that's one of the things that I've been reading in this book where he was talking about goal setting and he was saying like, you can't just say like, I want to get in better shape. Like it has to be like so much more specific because then your brain starts like putting things together almost like in your subconscious, right? Like things are happening in the background while we're not even like working on a certain thing. And then- but yeah, I was, that made me think really a lot about it too. And then, and then one of the other things that he said was that he likes to have just like one, like, instead of saying like, here's like my 10 categories and how my goals fit into all of these categories. He was like, just have like a word, like whatever the word is going to be for that, you know, that year, that quarter, whenever you're starting this, um, excuse me. And then it's like, okay, here's that word. And then how do these goals all ultimately like tie into that one word? And I was like, Ooh, okay. I like this. I like this. This is I do fun. like picking a word of the year every year. I don't remember what this year's word would have been, but back to that weight. Like if you set a goal that you want to wear a bikini on your trip to Greece in the spring, that's mm-hmm. your celebration is that you get to go yeah. to Greece and feel yeah. great in a bikini. Then you just re- reverse engineering your goal all the way to day one. Yeah. Like, okay. That's how I'm going to celebrate. Let's go mm-hmm. back and reverse engineer. How am I going to get there? 
And putting some sense of urgency. I think the more specific you are, there can be a different level of urgency tied oh, yes. to it where, you know, because like procrastination p plays a role, all these different things. But having that sense of urgency and treating it like I got to get this done, like mm -hmm. shortening the window. Um, and I and I, I don't mean that like about weight loss because I certainly don't want to encourage anybody to do anything <laughs> dire. But I'm just saying like, you know, in general, whether it's, you know, you want to save a certain amount of money, right? You want mm -hmm. to remodel, you know, a bathroom in your house. You want to save for a certain trip. Like, <clears throat> you know, having that sense of urgency or feeling like, you know, something to like get you motivated where you're like, oh man, I got to get this done. There's a deadline yeah. tied to it. A hundred percent, definitely. And I, they talk about that in Atomic Habits too, um, setting goals that way with with a deadline attached to it very much so makes a difference. And everything we do, anyone that's selling anything, if you don't give them a deadline, people aren't going to buy it. You give, yeah. let them buy it whenever they want. No, that's why sales, there's so much psychology behind it all. But deadlines oh, yeah. and urgency are key. Yeah. You want to make people, well, yeah, especially with, I mean, yes, with sales. I mean, we talk about this all the time when we're doing some sort of promotion to bring people in to take advantage of the service that we offer. It's like, we can't just be open-ended. It's got to be like, hey, if you sign up by Friday, <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. get this. So making people feel like they're going to miss out if they don't. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, yes, that's like, think about going back to the algorithm. Think about all the targeted ads you get, you know, for certain things on Instagram. I mean, I finally caved the other day, I bought this jumpsuit that I had seen the ad for no less than 100 times. And then my girlfriend texted to me. She's like, you would look so great in this. And I was like, do you know how many times I've seen an ad for this? That's probably why you saw the ad for it, because your my phone mm -hmm. knew that I was near your phone the other day. And I bought it. And you know what? It actually is really cute. So well done. Good. <laughs> was there a, was it on sale at the moment you bought it? It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that too. It was on sale. It was like 25 bucks off. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I gave her, I've looked, my biggest learning on e-commerce this year was if you see an ad like that, go and look at it in the cart and then abandon the cart. And nine times out of 10, you'll get a coupon for that product in your email within a day. So don't, if you don't have a promo code or whatever, just go uh -huh. through the process of buying it and then stop. Okay. And so it triggers most e-commerce platforms are then set up to send you a discount to get you to buy it. Man, the psychology, the psychology behind all of it. Yeah. That's so I, I always, it's the best way to get a good, good deal. Okay. Good to know. Great. Now I'm, I'm a, how many shopping carts do I have open right now? <laughs> and this is the worst time of the year. Cause I, I was, was going like, to say, it's I'm good like, to know cause it's the holidays. Yeah. With Black Friday being next week, all the early Black Friday sales and the holiday sales, I was like, it's going to take every willpower in me to not shop yeah. for the next two weeks. Yeah, I know. It really is. Mm -hmm. But at least now, I mean, I remember, I think I only did this one time during a Black Friday. I was never one to get up and get places right at the crack of dawn. But I had some friends who they had a, they had a, a whole you know, plan of attack, mm -hmm. all the things. I went with them one year and I was like, this was not worth it at all. So now I can just shop from the comfort of my own home, thankfully. Yes. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's the time to buy. And I need to be 
that for me, I need to sit down and figure out exactly what I need for Christmas and have a plan or I'll just haphazardly buy a bunch of stuff that I don't need. And because we are moving in again in 10 days, I can't ship anything to where I'm at now. So right. Yeah. That's good. And I have no room in the truck. The rule is no buying anything. We have nothing, no more room to fit anything in the truck. Oh, well, there you go. Look, you have all these, you have all these guard bands in place. You're going to be fine. (laughs) I'm trying. It's still hard. Those, cause those, those Instagram algorithms, they just keep showing me all this great, cute stuff. Oh, it's brutal. Did you see Dolly Parton has a dog line now? No. Doggy Parton. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't believe it took her that long to launch that. Cause it's brilliant. Yeah, and all the money, the money raised goes towards, you know, helping dogs and shelters and everything else. But oh. Norm would look cute in a lot of the stuff that she has. You know, he probably would. And now I'm certainly going to go take a look at that. So now that you, I've said that to you, you're going to be bombarded with ads. Totally. Cute country music stuff for Norm. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love it. Well, on that note, this was a amazing car and amazing conversation. Thank yes. you so much for joining me. Um, why don't you share your Instagram or website handles or anything that you have available to share? Oh yeah. Celebrate with Nancy. So I think on Instagram, it's celebrate with Nancy, my URL celebrate with Nancy. My new website will be launched by December 8th. Awesome. Um, it's all scheduled. So, and then I'm going to launch my podcast the week after. And so, yeah. and you will be on a guest on it very soon. So I'm excited ah, for that. I'm excited too. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And thanks everybody for listening. And um, always you can find me at round two podcast on Gmail or on Gmail. I mean, actually it is round two podcast at Gmail if you want to email um, and on Instagram and on TikTok. And if you or anybody that you know, you think would be a good person to come on and have a conversation, please reach out and have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we will talk to you next week.